The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five movies. Top five, top, top five movies. Come on, top five movies. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, uh, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hello. We are back to our usual format for now. We are going to try to do the interview format um, every, like, maybe once a month, maybe every other month. We'll just see how how the interviews fall. We want to get the interviews that are meaningful and that um, people are going to really invest in discussing their films. We want to thank again Jordan Brady for taking time to uh, be on our uh, our episode last week. If you missed that one, highly recommend going back. He was a great guest. His top five list was pretty awesome. Mike, I wish you had been here for that one. Couldn't. I was. I had a previous commitment. And I couldn't. Uh, Twelve hours at uh, Raymond James Stadium. So. I'd already said I was doing that. Oh yeah, no, no, no question. I, I'm not questioning your commitment as much as I feel like you missed a cool opportunity. Uh, Jordan was. Yeah, would have been, would have been cool. Yeah, he was a real good guy. Um, I won't reveal his list on the air again. So if you haven't listened to the episode, uh, check it out. But we do talk about movies and his uh, his documentaries, and then we get into his top five all time movies. And I really liked his list quite a bit. Um, we did better, I think, seeing his movies than we see with some of yours, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he mentions uh, at least a couple that I've forgotten about, but I'd seen, ah. and the mockumentary one, which I don't want to mention, but that, that was that's a good. I need to so check not easy out. to watch. It's not. I, I can't give it away too much because it's it's good. You know, I don't want to take away from the episode. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. well, this week, um, because we're back to our usual format, our topic isn't technically controversial. However, the subject is, and we're doing our top five Mel Gibson movies. In honor of the release of Daddy's Home 2, um, where he's playing Mark Wahlberg's father in the film. Um, this is a sequel from last or from two years ago, Daddy's Home with Mark Wahlberg and um, Will Ferrell. Uh, now their dads come in to play. John Lithgow's playing Will Ferrell's dad, and Mark Wahlberg's dad is again Mel Gibson. And this is really Mel Gibson's first major, you know, wide release, like serious film. It's a comedy, but I mean, it's it's a legit comedy where like expendables three he's the the villain i believe and while that's a big big blockbuster type of movie it's kind of a b movie almost like it's a b action movie we all know the plot goes out the window it's all about the explosions and the violence it has really nothing to do with story or plot um and i don't really remember too many people talking about expendables three uh compared to the the prior two and um, so to me, this is like his biggest return since his 2006 uh, drunken anti-Semitic rant where he um, he blamed the Jewish people for every war or something along those lines. Um, and he's disputed that since then, like not disputed saying it, but that, uh, you know, that he's never there's no other examples of his racism or hatred um, with the exception of this one drunken rant to a police officer and uh it is it is a debatable thing. Um, there are people who would say that uh, that your true feelings come out when you're drunk, and here is an example of that potentially. But he he denies it, and um, whether or not you think he is racist or hateful, or if it was just a drunken incident, it you can't deny that it has affected his career in a negative way. Um, he has not been the same caliber caliber star that he was prior to that incident. 
Um, in fact, going about four years without a credit, and then uh, a lot of straight to DVD movies, um, taking some bit parts in uh, smaller movies, like in again Expendables three and Machete two, Machete Kills, um, and then uh, going back behind the camera for Hacksaw Ridge in two thousand sixteen, and now Daddy's Home two. So, what are your guys' thoughts on the whole Mel Gibson uh, controversy? Well, maybe he shouldn't drink so much. <laughs> I wonder if that has changed since then. I think I felt like he was going to go to, you know, rehab or something. I can't remember very well. And didn't he say that like Jewish people owned Hollywood too? I feel like that's what I remember. Yeah, I. Oh, the, he did a few things. Yeah, yeah it, it was a long heard. rant. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it, part of it. Kind of, that makes me sad because when we talk about our list and stuff, like I grew up on Mel Gibson and. I know that he lived some of his life in Australia, but he just seemed like good old American boy. You know mm. what I mean? I don't know. So I don't know. Yeah. Kind of unexpected because I didn't feel like we had seen anything like that from him before. No. And that, that is, it calls the question, um, you know, it, what did, was that just a bad example, you know, a bad moment? And it's hard in today's culture with the internet where it goes viral and it's hard to overlook stuff like oh, that yeah. when there is so much rampant racism still clearly in existence that when someone spouts it, it's hard to just brush it off as, oh, he was just drunk. You know, it's hard to look past that. Um, I know that there's been a lot of people who've come out and said they can't support him, um, whether he's in front of the camera or behind the camera. And I, I kind of get that. Like, I totally like see where they're coming from. Um, I'm not excited about Daddy's Home 2, but not because he's in it. Like, just kind of in general, I'm just like, eh. First one was fine. I don't know how good the second one was going to be. My favorite part of the first film was Hannibal Burris, and I don't think he's listed on the cast. Um, or if he is, he's buried underneath all the other people. Uh, but Maybe it's because of Mel Gibson. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Or, that's allegedly? I mean, no. it's a little, con- you know, it seems kind of convenient. Yeah. That- yeah. Did he make um, not like I, I know he made Jewish comments. Did he make uh, other racial comments? Uh, well, I thought he. I don't know if it was a female police officer or just a female in general. I'm not. I can't even repeat what he said. Mm, yeah, um, but it involved a sweetener and certain part of the anatomy. Yeah, that's I mean, about as close as you get. could. You could, of course, find uh, the rant online. That's how it went viral. Um, according to the interview that I read uh, from last year when he was press touring for um, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, somebody asked him about it, and he he's you know basically he's apologized. He wishes people could see uh, throughout his life that he, this is the only example of this this hatred. Um, he he blames it on the tequila that he had drank. And to be fair, uh, I feel like I know, so many stories start exactly, with tequila. Exactly, I feel like. I have a lot of yeah. friends who their their worst moments in their life come from and that they... story. Like, well, I had tequila, and so yep. Like with that, like, and again, those are people I know who have like made some of the worst decisions in their life while drinking tequila. <laughs> Granted, I don't know any of them who've gone on an anti-Semitic, you know, rant or you know, sexually assaulted or or at least sexually uh, harassed or whatever. You know, uh, uh, the police officer arresting them. Like, I don't know those stories. Most of them involve them hurting themselves or getting undressed to some degree when they shouldn't. <laughs> you know. That's the gist of the stories that I've heard, but they still made bad decisions as a result of tequila. So maybe, but I don't know. Because again, um, in this world, 
you know, to say something like that, it's hard to just pass it off now as I'm, a passing comment or as a joke. Agreed. And I am kind of the type of person even that has a hard time putting things in writing because you never know who's going to find something. Mm-hmm. And I don't like say anything crazy or anything mean or anything like that, but you, I just still don't want proof. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't know. Um, I gave a negative review to Yoga Hosers and was very worried because I am a big Kevin Smith fan despite that movie. And I was like, man, what if he reads my review and then like hates me? I would feel awful because I really like him. And I like I just bought his hockey jersey and I just got this Mike, Mike. Oh, man. I went to go to Hot Topic today hoping they would have the new Kevin Smith pop vinyl because it's a Hot Topic exclusive. Um, they sold out, apparently. Uh, like, oh, heck. The the woman told me there was a line at the door when they came out for the Kevin Smith pop vinyl. What? And I was like, uh, which hot topic in Lakeland Mall? And I'm like, I, I thought Mike and I were the only two like Kevin Smith fans in our area because no one else seems to ever acknowledge that they're a fan of his. Like Mike and I, like I we listen to the podcast. We we've been to the podcast. It's like on the down low. Um, yeah, yeah, apparently, and but enough to go to Hot Topic and wait outside for it. But so I was kind of bummed. We went to the Antique Mall, which is outside of our Lakeland Mall, and I found. Do you remember they did the Jay and Silent Bob uh, super groovy cartoon movie? No, I don't actually. Um, they, a dude that uh, had done a drawing for them, I think he might have been in, involved with the animated clerks. They did a super groovy movie. They toured it. That's oh, all that, they did. And uh, that animation yeah, style? Yeah. Where they, okay. Super groovy cartoon movie. And um, so we're at the antique mall, and unopened in a box is a coffee mug. Um, for that from that film and half of it like one side is silent bob's face the other side is jay's face and the handle says jay on jay's side and silent bob on the other and i'm like oh man that's cool i didn't even know they they did merchandise for that and it's it was eight bucks uh still in still wrapped in the box i looked on amazon and someone's selling it for 31 bucks from amazon okay so i snagged it so i'm like i'm buying this because that's i've never seen this i didn't know it existed um, so I was super excited. I think I posted a picture of it, uh, one side of it on my Instagram. Um, but yeah, I was super stoked cause I was like, well, at least I got some Kevin Smith memorabilia on my, my failed journey to get the pop vinyl. But you know, I'm going to complain about the pop vinyls for a minute because I don't even feel like it's usually real fans who buy those. It's people who snatch them up and then put them on eBay for mm-hmm. some ridiculous price. Yep. That's why I don't have the Grady twins. Yeah, I know. I, I've never even seen them in person. I got lucky with Jack Torrance um, at our GameStop. Dang it. But I wanted the uh, the Frozen Jack Torrance. I have not seen that one anywhere. Um, and, yeah, because that's the same thing with, like, concert tickets now, though, right? Like, they people... And records and yeah, all kinds of things. All the collectibles. These, these jerks wait, post up, and then they sell them for outrageous amounts of money. Uh, I hate I hate you people for doing that. It's, it's not cool, man. But... Agreed. Not to di- not to divert too much, but um, the one thing though, like we were saying with the writing and whatnot, but uh, sorry to to go on such a tangent, but it did remind me of my exciting moment. But um, the the big question that's been in talk for a while is the separating the art from the artist, uh, and that's gonna you know right now it, it's very clear that we're we're done separating the art from the artist if the artist has done something too egregious, right? Like if they've done something uh, that's unredeemable. Um, Harvey or Harvey Weinstein, um, and now Kevin Spacey. Uh, uh. Um, these people have not only immediately been like removed from their their jobs and whatnot, but 
I don't know that we'll ever see a time where people can look at a Kevin Spacey movie the same. And with Harvey Weinstein, he's always off camera for the most part. I think he's done a few like small roles in movies, but 90% of the, what he's responsible for is off camera and people are still boycotting those films. Um, or at least I've heard, you know, talk of, I don't know if that'll ever go away because he's, his name is stamped on it, but he isn't the creative mind behind it. Like Tarantino films, Kevin Smith's films are all Miramax. Um, so wine scenes attached, but, um, with Kevin Spacey, like, you know, there's some iconic films, seven usual suspects. Are those, are those going to ever be able to be, you know, midnight in the garden of good and evil. There's American beauty. Yeah. I mean, and then House of Cards, which is a, a tremendous yeah. the, the TV series that kind of made Netflix TV series. Um, so it, I'm not saying it should be one way or the other, but I am intrigued to see how people will go from here. Like, can we ever, you know, can you still enjoy the Kevin Smith, not Kevin Smith, sorry, Kevin Spacey movies? And and that's the question here with Mel Gibson. Can you enjoy the Mel Gibson movies um, even from the past or coming forward? Can we ever move past this? And while his offense is, I would say, substantially less than um or i don't know if i don't want to say substantially but i mean he said something in a in a drunken moment versus you know ruining other people's lives like directly affecting them like what weinstein did and what um spacey has now been alleged by multiple people uh there's i keep seeing new allegations coming out at kevin spacey there um, were eight in one day like, wow i didn't see that yeah. many but that's crazy yeah so I mean, Mel Gibson, by comparison, I think, I don't want to, like, say what he did was not wrong, but, again, saying something and actually doing something to somebody, I think, is substantially different, right? Like, I'm not out of line saying that. No, it's hard to put that in. I I understand what you're saying. It's hard to verbalize it Yeah. effectively. Because I'm not trying to downplay what Mel Gibson did, because I, I, I definitely think it's wrong, but... I think it's worse when you are physically assaulting somebody than if you're just saying like, Hey, you're you, I don't like people like this or people like this are the result of something. Cause I don't even think he threatened anything. It wasn't like he was saying they should die or something like, which would be worse in my opinion, if he had said like wishing harm <laughs> I mean, on somebody. I mean, there are some that would argue he was just exercising his free speech in a sense, mm-hmm. even though it was pretty hateful. Yes. Uh, as opposed, as opposed to, uh, just going to this Kevin Spacey road. Wasn't it Richard Dreyfus' son? That just yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, Ben Dreyfus um, or something. Yeah, that just. Oh, uh, I didn't hear this. Yeah, that was the last one. Yeah, I heard. it's 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 pretty nuts, and and you know, and there are also people not to be apologists for these kind of behaviors, but it's the the idea of. And I said until proven guilty, but at the same note, we've got all these people that are just now being mm-hmm. empowered to be able to. It's been, it's it's a rough state all around. Yeah, and it's it's amazing that people have had to hide it and deal with it privately for such a long time, and now they're able to at least, be, yeah, be able to. Um, and that should be noted. Um, all of the the allegations right now from Harvey Weinstein and from Kevin Spacey, I believe, are all they, allegations, and nothing has been a hundred percent proven, the, or no one has been convicted of anything. Right. The New York City uh, police, though, said that they have yeah. been gathering substantial evidence against Weinstein. 
Yeah, and the the wine scene, like the people who, the the victims who have come forward have been substantially supported by non-victims, like people who were like, well, I was aware that he was doing things and whatever. So that one seems a little more cut and dry as far as Weinstein is definitely guilty of how many of the allegations I don't know. I Hopefully all of the allegations are true because that's the worst thing that can happen to the actual victims is for someone to just make up a story um, for their, their, their own sake. Hopefully that never happens. I'm not saying any of the victims are making it up. I'm just saying that that's the worst case scenario is when you have true victims and then you have other people who just want their name in the paper kind of thing. And that's the fear. Um, again, not accusing any of the, the victims of being that. And I hope that does not come out to be the case, but it has happened in the past. And of course the worst case scenario is that it's a true victim who cowers or gets afraid. And then they, they lie out of fear rather than, you know, saying, you know, truthful to it. But we could go on and on for this. The point is, um, Despite Mel Gibson's um, issue, he still has done a lot of movies that I am a fan of, and we thought we would take a look back at his career and pick our top five movies, and that is our episode. So with that, um, we're going to go into our top five. If you're new to the show, our standard format, uh, we have the list. We make our list in private, normally uh, a few days before. However, some circumstances, some of us had to make our list a little bit more on the fly than we would like, but nonetheless... Um, fortunately when it's a, you're being nice. When it's a topic like this, it it works out pretty well for that because it is a very small pool of movies to pull from. Even though Mel Gibson has done a lot of films, it's still substantially less than some of our other topics where we have thousands of movies that we could pull from. Uh, we are limited on this particular topic to just movies either directed by or starring Mel Gibson. And, um, we, we build our list in secret and the episode is us revealing that. Um, before we get into it, Corey... Dun, dun, dun. Guys, spoiler warning. If you want to check out our list ahead of time, go to BerkReviews.com and do so. Um, otherwise, full steam ahead. We will be talking about these movies probably in some great detail. Now, the other thing uh, that normally with these, uh, Corey and I have not seen a lot of Mike's films. However, given the subject, I think there's a better chance that I've seen some of these on Mike's list. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go big. I'm going to say four. I've seen four of Mike's five <laughs> movies. Um, Brave soul. Well, and you you are, like you were alluding to, I somehow thought we were doing Michael Douglas, so I just put my list together. So you may have a better chance, yeah. or you may not. I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about your Michael Douglas list, but you know, I don't think I've seen enough <laughs> so movies. So next list, no, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm not sure I've seen five Michael Douglas movies, to be honest. Um, I've seen Falling uh, Down. I'm sorry. I've seen The Game. Um, I've seen Apocalypse Now. Is that right? Is that wrong? Is that wrong? It's not Michael that's Douglas. It's Martin not Sheen. Dang it. That's Martin They are similar. Um, mm, uh, I guess so. I, I But I've never seen uh, the two um, Wall Street. Uh, is that the movie? Is that what it's called? Wall Street? Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't seen Wall Street or the second one, Money Never Sleeps or whatever the crap it's called. Um, I haven't seen either one of those. I want to see the first one. I'm not planning on watching the sequel. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. We'll have to do that list. I'll keep it. Um, all right, keep it, keep it, it handy. Um, but for now, uh, Corey, how many of Mike's uh, Mel Gibson movies do you think you've seen? Oh man, I said four. I know, I know you did. You can go um, small. Go small. Go one. I wasn't gonna go that. Thanks a lot for the vote of confidence. <laughs> I'm gonna go with two. 
Hey, you know, on the on Price is Right, sometimes you, you take the smallest yeah. bit. Yeah. So you're doing two? Yes. All right, well, Mike's going to start us off. I'm going to go second, and Corey will uh, round out. and then So we'll go five, four, three, two, one, and then we do honorable mentions at the end. So, Mike, what is your number one Mel Gibson movie? Uh, well, let's go my number five, because I'll just jump to my number one if you want. Oh, what did I say? A few moments. I'm sorry. We keep doing that. Uh, number five. <laughs> one. Number one. My bad, number five. Um, Whichever, whichever one, I'll be glad to share. So let's see if I can do the voice. I don't think I can do the voice very well, but in the post-apocalyptic Australian wasteland. This, no, no, you're not even guessing? Oh, I, I, I didn't it's feel Mad like, Max. yeah, I didn't feel like we needed to guess. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, but you're now, wait, now we have My bad. 33.33 repeating chance of guessing which one I have. Uh, I'm in, well, number five. Ooh, I'm going to go with Thunderdome. Oh, I, I don't think it's on anybody's list. Oh, no. Nobody likes Thunderdome unless it's Tina Turner and her family. Everybody loves Tina Turner. Well, yeah, well, yeah, she's great, but nobody loves Thunderdome. Sorry, I'm laughing heartily. I'm going to say it's uh, the first one, Mad Max, because it's number five. What? Because it's number wow. five. Well, wrong. Oh. I'm going with Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, which was actually it popped up on a list, too, recently. I don't know if it was Bud. BuzzFeed, one of those ones where people didn't realize what it's one of those hidden sequels, but it seemed pretty obvious, I guess, because I've always known it as Mad, Mad Max. Max to the Road Warrior, but I think initially it was just strictly the Road Warrior. The Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the characters, just, you know, he's just more grizzled and the feral child and the. It does feel bird. like it could be. Um... An anthology, though, like it doesn't have, it doesn't, yeah, pick up exactly where the first movie left off. Yeah, it is quite a bit of a time difference. Yeah, and I don't think they um, show anything from the first film. Like, there's no like flashback that is directly from mm-hmm, the first film. Because mm-hmm. um, even like uh, Fury Road, which doesn't have Mel Gibson in it, but Fury Road, um, there's flashbacks of Man- of Max's family, kind of, but there's no. No guarantee that it's in no the same real. universe of the original trilogy, even though I believe um, our director, George Miller, says that it is a continuation, I think. I could be totally wrong. Of the, that. Of the original three. Of the original three. That is, that is interesting, which I really enjoyed that. But So let's see the scores-wise. 7.6 IMDb, 76 meta score, 98% fresh, 85% audience score, and 3.9 on the letterbox, which... Seems a little low to me. That doesn't seem right of all the ratings. Probably one of the, I would feel, this is one of the higher rated ones on my list. And yet it's my number five. So that'll probably let you to wonder, lead you to wonder what my other ones are. But I remember not seeing this in the theater and catching bits and pieces. It was like one of those hushed middle school rumors uh, because I know there's a, uh, a part where there, there's a tent kind of ripped away and you, there's a couple of the humongous uh, minions and there's a guy and a girl in the tent, you know, it's, it, it reveals them in a very private moment. And, you know, you know, you know, middle schoolers yeah. whispering about those things. And when I finally did get to see it, it's just kind of blue. I think the first time anyone sees it, even now, probably it just blows you away. Although Fury Road up to the ante, with the way the road chase scenes and all that it goes, but there was something about the humongous and you, you, you know, he was kind of Jason Voorhees on 
you know, super swole, roid rage, leading his army to go after, of all, you know, as you go through the story, find the precious resource that is gasoline. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of, it, it it really stuck with me, and I always wanted to see what was under that mask. We never got to see it, although it's very satisfying when you when you see what the final fate of the, the, the villain, what ends up happening. You get some closure. But uh, it's just filled with, I think it surpassed the original. That It's funny you mentioned Harvey Weinstein and uh, Weinstein and uh, the Miramax films that we started watching. I think my wife and I started watching one of the Scream ones and they had that whole discussion about sequels. Oh, yeah. And I Scream think two. this one, def- yeah, this definitely surpasses the original. I tried watching the original a couple of times and I just didn't get into it. Really? Uh, well, because I saw this one first. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, 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 I see that. So I watched them in the wrong order, and so at that point, that's... Yeah, because the first one's way less post-apocalyptic than the second one. Right. I mean, there's definitely story, and he's wanted to get vengeance. uh, Yeah. The people that killed his family, I get that. I didn't get into it. And I think, really, I'd even seen Death Race 2000, the original Sylvester Stallone, Carradine, and that had certain kind of much more dark humor and that one drew me in i think that was a roger corman one although just something interestingly enough i think this is one of those instances where um it's almost like like garage band meets like the sign band like um if the bands because a lot of times when we know a band their first album is not really their first album it's usually like their second album it's just the first album on the studio right like mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. dude ranch for blink 182 versus like cheshire cat and uh buddha mm-hmm. um those are much rougher albums than dude ranch mm-hmm. dude ranch is very polished where and that's kind of the same with mad max and then the road warrior mad max is like guys with cameras shooting their their super indie film with you know you know very risky lots of like there's a scene in the first movie where a guy gets hit by his motorcycle um like he he wrecks and the motorcycle hits him in the head and that actually happened and they kept it in the movie because again it actually happened so they're like well might as well use it because it looks great um and you took the hit so why not use it you know because we were never going to get anything closer to that you know and yeah. So I think in that way, that's one of the differences. Is you don't always see that, where like the filmmaker gets to make a sequel of his very low budget indie version, and then here's a you know bigger version as a result. In which Thunderdome is a bad example of it, where he had Road Warrior was so well that I think he had too big of a budget for Thunderdome, and it went a little off the rails. But then Fury Road came out, you know, twenty thirty years oh, later. Cool. So, um, yeah, but I think that's that's a solid pick for sure, uh, Corey. I, I don't know how much overlap we're gonna have on these lists, so if you gotta wait till a little later, I understand. No comment. Silence. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I guess that's, that speaks it, volumes. Because she... No, actually, because... I. Hmm, okay. Um, I rewatched the um Mad Max movies. I had watched them when I was younger. My dad was a fan, but didn't remember them really. Um, and I rewatched them before uh, Fury Road came out. And I think that it it was pretty interesting watching those films and then going to see Fury Road because there I, there is such a difference too. I think, um, and I love Fury Road. I might like Fury Road better than I like the original ones. Um, I'm gonna get rocks thrown at me. No, I, I I don't think. I mean, I think Fury Road 
has a lot going for it that the older ones didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, partly just the uh, the ability to do the movie, I think, was a big part of what the new one is. Mm-hmm. Well, and that he was able to be part of it again, uh, George Miller. I, I think that was pretty exciting. Yeah, I was agreed. really sad my theater never got the black and white version. Do what? The they black... were um, here originally intended it to be black and white yeah they i and, i think i have the black and white version um hmm. because they they did release it digitally um oh i didn't know that yeah i think i can't hmm. it's they have a name for it. it's like chrome something or something like that it's like um because i also have logan black and white uh they did that this yeah. year and oh, I, I haven't yeah. watched it black and white yet but i really want to go back uh-huh. and watch it like it would be so good black and white mm-hmm. all right well that leads to me then um my number five is not a well-regarded film, but one that I just, I, I've only seen once, but it stuck with me. I still remember enough of it to, uh, that I liked it, and I thought it was kind of funny, and I am a big fan of The Punisher, and, and apparently I'm just a, a fan of like these type of anti-heroes, um, so I'm going to 1999's Payback. Either of you seen this movie? Mm, I don't I am so. aware of Payback. All right. Well, it stars Mel Gibson. Um, with has Greg Henry, Mario Bella, Maria, excuse me, Maria Bella, um, David Paymer, Bill Duke, Deborah something I can't read because it's cut off. Deborah Kara Unger, um, and um, directed by Brian Heligland, who I don't know if he's directed anything else I'm familiar with. It looks like he's written some stuff I know. Um, Payback features Mel Gibson um, playing this uh, criminal who is betrayed by his wife and, and partner um, after a heist. They shoot him in the back and take his share of the money, which is like $70,000. And uh, he, when he gets, he they think he's going to die, but he doesn't die. He comes back looking for revenge and getting his share of the money back. And he ends up having to go up against his like crime organization. And one of the parts that, that always stuck with me is that he doesn't want more money because everyone keeps thinking he wants like uh, this huge <laughs> amount of money and he's very specific. He wants the 70,000 that he's owed. He's not looking for anything more. He just wants his share. And it's like a, it's a, despite him being like a, a criminal, he has this kind of code of ethics that I appreciate. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why it stuck with me. Cause even like Punisher kills pretty much John Wick, John Wick Punisher. There's this, uh, you know, anti-hero code, they all have this like boundary that they won't cross. And in this particular instance, he doesn't want to take other people's money. He just wants the money that I'm pretty sure he stole in the first place. But nonetheless, he wants his cut of that. Nothing else. He's not killing people for anything else. And everyone thinks he's crazy. He's like, you're doing all of this for $70,000. You're you're killing people left and right for this small amount of money um, that you're not even going to be able to like you know do anything with at this point. Um, and so there's this weird kind of comedic element that I'm not sure if it was totally going for or not but it definitely is there and again it's super violent it's an action dra- um, action crime drama according to IMDb but I, I've only seen it the one time but I, I, I'm I pretty sure I saw it at Mugs and Movies when I was like 17 and I liked it um, it was right up my alley you know I was into the Punisher comics I was into Batman um, I still like the Punisher I'm obviously still a Batman granted Batman doesn't kill but the technically you know he's very violent um it's vigilante justice and it's in an essence, although again, this one's more revenge oriented. Um, I've always enjoyed it. And I have to admit much like Bruce Willis, I've always found Mel Gibson's, uh, brand of like action comedy, very enjoyable. There's like a, 
even when in his more dramatic roles, there's always this air of humor that I've I've always found um, enjoyable uh, for a lot of his older movies. So Payback is my number five. And for once, uh, uh, that yeah, I was gonna say like neither of you have seen it. So <laughs> oh, I've, seen, I've seen it. Oh, okay. I, and that, I remember that that part for sure. I mean, he just wanted his money back. It's and I guess I never faced <laughs> that that um, similarity to John Wick. I mean, all he's wanting to be is live his life. Yeah, he wants to be left but, alone, and, and he wants revenge for the guy killing his dog. Yeah, and I just want to see Ingriana be better, have my money. <laughs> and <laughs> and there's obviously there could be uh, there's a few movies on my <laughs> list that, or there's some movie, a few movies you will see that I'm, are not on my list that you might think like why would you put Payback? But honestly, of the, some of the ones that because there's several of his films I've only seen once, right? And Same. some some of them like didn't stick with me in a way that. Like, I can see they're better movies, but they didn't stick with me the way Payback did. Because Payback was more, again, I was 17. Like, that was kind of what I was into, like, the action comedy type things. Even though, again, I don't know that the comedy was intentional, but maybe the B-movie element of it. Like, the premise is kind of silly. And, like, that he was sticking, like, to the 70,000. Like, this criminal uh, has this code of ethics that he, like, will not bend to. Um, And it's like, you're a criminal, so just take the extra money. But, you know, like... I don't know something about that premise. I just found uh, unforgettable, I guess, in a way. Because again, I've only seen it the one time, but it's always stuck with me. So that's why it's on the list. Uh, let's go to Corey. What's your number five? Okay, so I did struggle bus with this list, um, and I actually watched a movie today to help. But my number five is from 1989, I believe, and I haven't seen this in a very, very, very long time. Oh, since I was a child. Um, but like I said, my dad was a big fan. Um, I know he liked Mel Gibson, but I think he liked Danny Glover even more. Um, so it's Lethal Weapon 2. Okay. <laughs> Not even the first one. Um, and also this one has Joe Pesci in it. Yes. Um, I think this might be the last one of those movies that I saw, but, um. <laughs> well, there's two more after this and Joe Pesci's in Yeah, there are four. Yeah, Joe Pesci's in <clears throat> two, three, and four. Oh, dang. Um, Mel Gibson's character is the younger, uh, kind of crazy, nuts, uh, psychotic cop. And then Danny Glover, um, is the older cop that's a little more chill and he's kind of fearful for his life with Mel Gibson. Um, but it works. And I think that the second one was more comedic than the first one, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I don't have a lot more to say on it, guys. I'm sorry. That's oh, okay. I, well, I, it's funny. Go ahead, Mike. It's funny you say you struggled with this list, but you also said you grew up on Mel Gibson. So I'm mm-hmm. a little confused. Well, Mad Max movies and then Lethal Weapon are what oh, I remember. So only, uh, only six, I did, five mm, Mel Gibson movies. So we probably just figured like out her four. list. So no! <laughs> Not necessarily, um, but... I, I'm a fan of the Lethal Weapon franchise, even though they do uh, get decreasingly um, good, or I should say they get worse as they go. Uh, four, I've, I think I've only well, been I, able to sit through once. but Yeah, I never got to four, and I tried three. Two's the one. I would agree with two. And, and to be honest, that's on my uh, honorable mentions list, which I didn't manage to put together. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's the one I saw first and then i worked backwards because i, I remember seeing lethal weapon 2 at the theater and mm. uh, um it has some it, of the most I, 
comedic moments in the Lethal Weapon, at least from the first two films. Franchise. Yeah, because you have yeah, the... I would, I would agree. I mean, you have the quotable line of diplomatic immunity, which isn't funny, but Kevin Smith made it funny because well, he said it all the time. On, uh, at the wrong time. At the wrong time. Uh, but but there's also those those slurs, you know, and we just, in our class, in my class, I, with my history stuff, we did stuff on political cartoons, and one of the ones I pulled up was um, one commemorating Nelson Mandela and I will be honest. Most of my juniors had no idea what apartheid was. Yeah, I know. I know. And and um, I had to explain and how recently that was. That was in the eighties. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things I really like about the second movie is it does deal with this real thing, um, you know, that happened, and it's kind of interesting in that way that th- this movie that is an action comedy almost, although it's again not listed as a comedy. But I definitely, you know, there's the whole where he shoots the fish tank and does the eeny meeny hey mo, and um, yep. you know, there's the, and Joe Pesci's character, uh, man, he has some funny monologues throughout the course of the series where they um, in Lethal Weapon Four, him and Chris Rock go together about messing you. I think it's the drive-through one is in Lethal Weapon Four. Um, oh my gosh! They f you with the drive-through. Put the order in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and um, I don't remember what the second well, one was, but he has a good rant well, in this one. For Joe Pesci, because I think this was the first Joe Pesci film I recall, I, having seen this way before any other. Me too. And, you know, seeing him in a comedic role is so unusual. Yeah, because you watch like Goodfellas and Casino. And oh, like, anything. Anything he's been in. Yeah. Well, then you have like My Cousin Vinny later in Home Alone, but... Well, okay, that's true. That's true. My Actually, I think Home Alone might have been my first Joe Pesci encounter. Um, that, uh, that, yeah, because I was. Mm, I think I've resisted Home Alone. Ah, uh, well, I was ten when Home Alone came out. I definitely saw that in the theater. I don't remember when I saw Lethal Weapon. I did. I probably saw it when I was too young, but um, Lethal Weapon one and two were on regular rotation for me, and so I definitely uh, know Lethal Weapon two. And Lethal Weapon two has the iconic bathroom sequence. Um, that this film is kind of known for, which is when Danny Glover sits on the toilet and has the the bomb on it and it's pressure sensitive and his legs are asleep. And so Mel Gibson has to pull him into the bathtub. Super crazy scene. super intense. Um, and yet there's a sense of comedy because he's on the toilet. So it's like, you know, like he's on the toilet. It's got, there's a sense of humor that you can't get past. And at, at the same time, horror, like, because you're like, Oh my God, even sitting on well, the toilet. And, and, and when the toilet blows up, yeah out of the house and into onto the I forget if it was the hood of the car but yeah, I think you get it was. to actually see the you know some of the contents I'm like ew that's kind of gross oh man I don't remember that vividly uh wow yeah. I guess I blocked that out but yeah good pick Corey for sure uh, wiped too. it out I see what you did there wiped it out um it was a pun toilet pun um good pick Corey um, <laughs> um and again, flush it flush it don't even file it flush it yeah, lethal weapon 2 is actually to be honest, Lethal Weapon, um, well, we'll get to that. Um, let's get to uh, Mike's number four. Okay. Oddly enough, you mentioned Mel Kip Gibson, you know, just simply wanting his money back. And then the one I'm picking for my number four, it's not so much money because he's really ready and willing to shell it out. He wants his son back. Uh, he uh, and Rene Russo play the married couple in 1996's Ransom, and oh, I, I had it. I had the cast list pulled up because it's. Uh, I want to say Gary Sinise is one of the kidnappers. Rene Russo's his wife. Yep. Uh, 
I just had it. Um, hold on, because their son I, is Brawley Nolte. Is it like Nick Nolte's son? Nolte, yeah. I, I saw that Nolte last name, so I. Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor's in it. Of course, IMDb pulls L- up the TV series as opposed uh, to. I knew Donnie Wahlberg go. was in it. Donnie Wahlberg, Liv Schreiber. Donnie, Liv Schreiber. yeah. Delroy Lindo. Lily Taylor, she was one of them. Lee Schreiber, I forgot he was Yeah, there. I think, he, is he the cop or is he the... the no, I think he's group. one of the group, one of the kidnappers. I forgot this Donnie. was a Ron Howard movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking I at also, that. I also forgot it was directed by him. I, re- I remember seeing this in the theater with my wife, and that's just that... Dan Hedaya is Give me this. back my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, there's all sorts of people involved in it, and just... I had no children at that see that what year is that ninety six so I would have been way way before that was a a year before I got married so it was quite a bit before but we definitely got into it and some of the kidnappers were made a little more uh, you know human they was humanized they weren't strictly bad guys and a couple of them were trying to at least treat the child a little more humanely. Uh, but the the facts, you know, one of the pivotal scenes where he's on the news announcing, basically opening the floodgates up for anybody to call in any kook tips just, you know, to try to cash in a, a reward for the return of his son. It's I really got into it. I totally forgot Ron Howard was involved. But uh, the ratings aren't too bad on it. 75% fresh, 62% audience. 6.6 IMDb score, 60 meta score, and 3.1 on Letterboxd. Over, I mean, I would watch this again. It's been a while, but I, I figure it would um, be much more uh, affecting having kids of my own at this point. Yeah, I agree, actually, with that part of it. I saw this uh, in the theater. I don't remember who I went with, though. I don't know if I went with my mom or if I went with friends because I, I didn't love it at the time, um, and I think it was too heavy for me. Like, not in a way, like... I think I, I kind of brush it off as like melodramatic, um, partly because of like, give me back my son, which is such an mm-hmm, iconic mm-hmm. moment. But it is it's so like big. And um, I don't know. I think I, w- I need to watch it with adult eyes for sure, because when I was there, I think it was it wasn't what I wanted from an action type movie. You know, like it wasn't what I was yeah, expecting. It was a little from Mel different. Um, especially like when you compare it to my number five, like it leaps and bounds different Mel Gibson in those two movies. Um and it might have been it's just Mel Gibson, the dad, versus Mel Gibson, the dark, yeah, uh, yeah the exactly. dark criminal hero. And um, yeah, I need to. I, I kind of want to rewatch it now, actually, especially like looking at the cast because, like, these were at the time. I don't think I knew any of these people really. I knew Rene Russo, mm-hmm. um, and I knew uh, I knew Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on the Block, and that probably didn't help the movie's <laughs> chances. No, uh, <laughs> I probably brushed that off pretty quick. Like, wait, is that the new kid? Um. But like and now, Liv Schreiber, like I'm a huge fan of Liv Schreiber. Uh, now, you know, he's done some amazing movies, mm-hmm. and so like seeing that he's on there, and then Ron Howard, obviously a director. I, I don't love every movie he's done, but I have a lot of respect for a lot of what he's done, and so well, definitely. I can't, I can't remember timeline, but I'm figuring that uh, Lethal Weapon Four would be after this one. Yeah, we already see that connection. Mel Gibson, Rene Russo, so they must have liked working oh, yeah. together. I really, I really miss Rene Russo. I loved her and get. I pretty much liked her in everything, save for the you know the lethal See, weapon part I like that her she was in. in tin, actually, I liked her in Lethal Weapon, um, and I liked her. I'm pretty sure she's in Tin Cup. Um, yes, Tin Cup. Yep. 
she would have been the draw for me over Kevin Costner. Although Teach Marin's in it, isn't he? The, yeah, he's, he's great. He's actually probably my favorite yeah. part oh. of that movie. He's a very understated role for him. Yeah, Lisa she Logan was Ford's in Nightcrawler. Oh yeah, Nightcrawler. Um, she was the um, yes, yes, the uh, reporter. And I liked her in yes. Major League. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she needs more work. Well, I don't want to see more Renee Russo. Apparently, she's in Thor. I know. I was just reading that. I was like, oh, yeah, she she was. She she's was the mom? mom. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's I'm like, who is she in Thor? But yeah, the mom. Um, kind of a spoiler if you uh look at her IMDb credits about the franchise, but I won't say why. Um, <gasps> but uh, all right. So Corey, um, do you have anything you wanted to add about Ransom? No, I s- was looking at some of the stills and like I recognized the son. But I don't remember the movie. Ah. So you haven't watched it? Not that I can remember. What about the Road Warrior? Um Yeah, I watched the Road Warrior oh, just so a couple she's years met her ago. Quota. So she's met her quota. Oh, she said two. She said two. She's only got one so oh, okay. far. I've got yeah, just I'm, I'm two for two so far though. Um Nice. Which I'm feeling pretty confident about. <clears throat> I, I'm, I probably could have gone five for five, but we, I, there's one that I feel I, like there's one movie I know for a fact Mike has had on another list that I know I haven't oh. seen. So that was where I was playing my odds. There's a few of Mel Gibson's movies I haven't seen, mind you, but most of the, his big movies I have seen. Um, there's and a couple, I know though. which one that is too. I know which one you're figuring I'm yeah. probably going to put on this list. And that's what. So I was like, oh, I know I don't have that one, so I can't say that one. I'm going to give it myself uh-huh. at least a little wiggle room. <clears throat> Although there's still a few movies that I have not seen um, that are big of his. But all right, uh, that leads to me, right? So mine is not a movie Mel Gibson is in, but that he directed for my number four, and I went with 2006 Hacksaw Ridge, um, a film that I went into. Um, kind of apprehensive not because it's military but because vince vaughn was playing a drill sergeant and i just could not get past that from the trailer i was like i cannot imagine any time where i will think vince vaughn is a a convincing uh drill sergeant and mel gibson proved me wrong um mel gibson directed hacksaw ridge from 2016 stars andrew garfield uh, based on a true story of uh army medic desmond Doss, who is a um conscientious objector to the war and so refuses to pick up a weapon despite being a part of the military and at first is uh, berated tried to be put on um, a trial and is fought and wins his right to be a a medic and not carry a weapon Um, and at first he's still then he's hated by his peers and uh, his drill sergeant Vince Vaughn but when sent to war he proves to be uh, very heroic and it's a harrowing story well performed um, some great great people uh an honestly solid performance from Sam Worthington. Not amazing, but solid considering I don't think he's usually very good. Um, and then you have, again, Vince Vaughn in a role that you don't see him in, this kind of serious drill sergeant character, and he he nailed it. And then Hugo Weaving plays Andrew Garfield's father, and it's just just amazing. It's a very compelling, except very, very bloody, like excessively bloody war movie, which isn't wrong, mind you, but I, it. I can't help but compare it to Dunkirk from this year where Dunkirk has almost no blood and guts in the movie and yet is intense and completely riveting the entire time um, while maintaining a, um, you know, uh, not a, it's not, I think it might be PG-13 if I, I don't remember for sure if Dunkirk yeah, is PG-13, but I think it may be, um, but I, I still like, and again, I'm not opposed to blood and guts, but there is a lot of excessive blood and guts in Hacksaw Ridge. Maybe excessive is not a fair word. Realistic, at least, at the very least, realistic. 
Um, but it does make for some, you know, scenes where you might want to look away. Um, some of the injuries are very brutal. And again, not opposed to that at all. Just it's an interesting tactic um, of approach. And I know I have not seen um, all of Mel Gibson's directed films, but he does not tend to shy away from the, the brutal violence in his movies, um, from what I am aware but uh, I thought this was a terrific film, one that I kind of went in not sure how good it could be, and it was excellent. Um, 8.2 user score on IMDb and a 71 Metacritic rating, and got him an Oscar nomination for uh, Best Director um, last year, which brought the controversy back to a forefront because it was already um, – there was a lot of controversy with all nominations anyways, but then you bring uh, – Mel Gibson gets a nomination after the – comments made in 2006 and people were kind of not sure if they were okay with that so um but i did think it was an excellent film and one of his best in my opinion so number four hmm. no comments <laughs> i'm sad i missed I that seen one it. i haven't seen it oh. Been one too but i haven't seen it i didn't realize both of you missed it oh yeah it's definitely i i imagine it's got to be on some of the streaming services at this point um it's you know it's it been was... it's a year out recently on hbo and i think i missed it unless it's still on demand i just need to watch it one time i'll tell you i brought my i brought taylor with me to see it um uh she was you know 13 no she might have only been she was only 12 when we went and saw it and i was a little worried because i knew it was gonna it's a war movie and it uh there is a romance to the film that i didn't really get into but um i'm i'm pretty sure she cried at part of it um and the it's a true story. So at the end of the film, there are some interviews with some of the people who are still alive that were involved. Um, and it's, it's really compelling. Um, and some of that stuff, like just hearing, his, uh, his story, it's, it's crazy. Um, it, it was one I really enjoyed. So that's why it's on my list. I definitely recommend you guys check it out though. Yeah. I've heard pretty good stuff about it. So I need to, all right. Well, then you just watch it. Yeah, yeah. Check it out, Corey. What is your number four then? I'm gonna get so much hate. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, it's. I know that you do not like this movie, uh -oh. John. Really? I saw it in theaters, and I don't hate it. Um. Yeah, it's 2002 Signs, directed by oh. M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You like hate this. it? Yeah, I do. I totally hate it. Yes. Movie. Um, Mel Gibson plays Graham Hess. Um, Rory Culkin and Abigail Breslin play his children, and Joaquin Phoenix plays his brother. Um, Graham is a former priest who has lost his faith after his wife is killed in an accident, and there is an alien invasion. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Um, not my favorite M Night Shyamalan film, but yeah. not my least favorite either. It's not my least favorite because the happening happened, but yes, <laughs> and even Lady in the Water, which Ooh, I feel like I yeah. need to give another chance. I, I think so too. I watched that one in a very busy room. I don't think I gave it my full attention. Not in theaters. Uh, I was like, mm. oh wow, okay. No, I don't think you need yeah. to see it. I need to rewatch it. I definitely did not see the whole thing. But if you saw it in the I theater, feel, it's the movie's fault I, at that point. <laughs> I feel like though all of his films, whether we realize it at first or not, they're they're. You know what I mean? It's not just a movie. There's like something, and like I didn't feel that with I didn't like see it at all with Lady in the Water. Ah, uh, you mean there was no like deeper story or whatever? It was more yeah, on the surface. Yeah, like there's not. But yeah, he intended that one as as his fairy tale. <sighs> I mean, that's that. So why it's what on the I've surface. always felt. Hmm. Did you like that one? 
I enjoyed Lady in the Water. Not originally, but I liked it more than not now. Huh. I need to give you it a try. It's, it's, it, I feel he meant it, intended it as a way to make a fairy tale story. That makes sense, actually. Because a modern fairy tale, fairy tale story. It totally, I mean, and you have red herrings all over the place and people trying, it's basically the guy trying to get a party together so he could protect a royal member of, of you know, I forget the name of the species. Yeah, well, not to not to divert away from signs, um, Corey. What 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 are your positive thoughts on signs? Joaquin, <laughs> I do love Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I can't remember if this was the first of his films, and Bill and I saw this in theaters, and I just remember that I didn't get the whole thing with the glasses of water everywhere. And Bill was a little annoyed at that. But I didn't think that it was a terrible story. I'm not usually very interested in aliens, but... Well, what would you like? Is it because you want them to have a wall built around them? <laughs> um, I would like to have experiments on my brain, please. I, I don't think the movie is really about the aliens, though. It's more about faith mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. losing faith and coming back from that. And in that way, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah, but... that whole he like remembers his wife saying, you know, and he thought it was just about his brother playing baseball. And yeah, yeah. And, um, I didn't realize Rory Culkin was in. It. I actually just watched uh, Scream Four, and Rory Culkin is in that. Um, and I I don't know that I've seen him in anything else to be honest. I, I was like looking at his face and Scream, like that's a Culkin. I can just tell that's a Culkin. And then was like looked at him, like yep, I was right. It's Rory Culkin. Okay. But, was it he in Scott Pilgrim, or was that another no, Culkin? That's um, that's Ke Ke uh, Kieran. Kieran Culkin, yes, okay. Kieran. who is, in my opinion, the best of the Culkins. You know, um, just because they're all, I think Culkins, that Macaulay's going to make a comeback. Mean, doesn't mean they all look alike. Okay, actually, they do it, all it, they look very do. similar. Um, <laughs> um, Some strong genes. That's genius. But there was, I, I like the the line "swing away." Um, and when it comes to play and then the cheesy element of the water in the movie, like uh, there is, there's a lot um, about it that felt kind of bad. Um, it is one a lot of people love though. So I, I do like, I know I'm in the minority overall, although it does have a 59 on Metacritic, um, but it has a 6.7. That's probably pretty high for M night. <laughs> um, like for his later films, but like, I, I think uh, six Sense is going to be in the high eighties. Oh yeah. Like at least the high seventies. Um, and then uh, Unbreakable, well, probably critically highly acclaimed and not as much. I don't think as many people and, saw that one. And thankfully, Split's there, out there now. So. Yeah, Split's very positive. Um, and then the, since, uh, 64. Really? Yeah. That's because people are dumb. That's surprising to me. I guess, well, it, that's the problem with this movie. I think Signs is where you see him just going for the twist like and unbreakable's only got 62 which is a mistake that movie's brilliant but that's um, just wrong yeah. that's people yeah. just hatefully yeah voting it down um but like a... i i love everything i love the tone in that movie like that i i love unbreakable i really do it's it is in my yeah i don't i don't think i have it on my top 50 but i'm gonna move it into my top Ooh. 50 if not because it should be it is definitely a movie that i love and i've seen many times um and can't wait for glass um but um, 
yeah, Signs just did not click for me. Um, it was the first Shyamalan film I didn't really like. I didn't. I don't think I hated it as much when I saw it the first time. I think it was the second time I tried to watch it that I was like, nope, can't do it. Done with this movie. Um, I liked The Village, though, which a lot of people did not. I was into I love The Village. The village. Um, mm-hmm. And then The Happening was crap, uh, which I just watched what recently, that? but I skipped that one. Lady in the Water didn't work for me um, when I saw it the first time, but... Yeah, but signs. Uh, I understand why that's on your list. So, nice pick is what I'll say. Let's move into Mike's number three. All right. Well, I, I gotta be honest. This is probably one of the. No, it's not the lower rated, but it's it's ne- next to the last uh, low, uh, rating wise. Fifty two percent rotten on the tomato meter. Sixty four percent audience score. Six point seven nine DB. Forty nine meta score. Three point oh one letterbox. So pretty low. But the, one of the main reasons it stuck out to me because it was around let's see ninety seven, which was the X Files were already underway. And I wonder if maybe that's part of what, how this was mm-hmm. greenlit. I paired Julia Roberts up with Mel Gibson. Oh. In conspiracy theory. This made my honorable mentions. If it makes you feel any better. Oh okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean. The reason it stuck out, Rachel and I were able to go to more movies. 97, we would have been married that year, so I forget what month. One of the things, whoever this person was, and I'm pretty sure it was at Winter Haven. If it wasn't Winter Haven, it would have been AMC over at uh, now called Disney Springs, but at that time, Disney, downtown whatever Disney. it was. Downtown Disney, yeah. And I remember this person in the crowd being so involved in it that they were at one pivotal part of the story you heard them scream out oh expletive deleted jerry no and we were like um, lady relax it was so weird and so it's never left my you know it's always that i filed that and kept that in memory that's funny and and you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe now that was part of a conspiracy theory. She was put there as a plant. A for plant. People to be, <laughs> yeah. As for people like, look how, look how emotionally involved no. this woman one of was, the things, in, was into the character. Yeah, I, I saw this at Mugs and Movies as well, um, and I, I liked it then. I have not seen mm-hmm. it since. I, um, I don't think it holds up. I think it just, which, it was for the time. That's interesting, though, because conspiracy culture, I think, has only gotten higher with the advent of the Internet being what it is. But you know, it was like, so pandering and so kind of I felt like it was kind of insulting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, but, I don't even remember enough. That's I think part of the reason why it's on my honorable mentions is that I know I saw it. I remember Patrick Stewart being in it. And I was like, like for me at the time, that was I only really knew him as Captain Picard. So it was like, oh, I like that guy. And then uh, X-Men would come out in 99 i think right so like or 2000 even um so that was when i knew him as professor x but this was one of the first encounters i had with him outside of star trek you know i knew they asked the guy from next generation mm-hmm. and um and i'm not even a big star trek fan but i did watch some of the star trek uh next generation episodes with my mom when i was a kid so i was familiar enough with him and so this was like a twist to me with that and then i like julia roberts and i again i'm a mel gibson fan so i think everything just kind of worked for me it's definitely there was some some cheesy stuff i didn't realize it was a richard donner film though until now because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. again i haven't looked at this movie since i saw it i don't think you know I, I've, it's always been in the back of my head as one that was i knew a lot of people hated but i really enjoyed when i saw it you know well it's one of those fun movies i mean 
obviously you got I, I would say just to turn your brain in at the door like that lady did yeah. and um <laughs> just invest yourself you, in the characters yeah she's totally was <laughs> it was I, I i mean i get involved but to cry out like that i just don't although maybe it would be fun to do that now just as a hobby and see if anybody <laughs> please do I feel like you need to like record the audience's reactions to your reactions. Yes. Well, <laughs> please. With that, uh, I'll go to my number three. I think, unless Corey, you have anything you really want to say about um, conspiracy theory. I don't. Okay. Wow, Richard. I did not realize how much Richard Donner and Mel Gibson had worked together. Oh, oh yeah. yes, but I didn't realize how much they'd worked together. Um, he did both of the first two Lethal Weapons. I don't know if he did three and four or not, but yeah. Um. My movie, my number three movie from 1994, um, is also directed by Richard Donner, is Maverick, starring Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, yeah. James Garner, um, Graham Greene, and Alfred Molina. I had such a, a love relationship with this film. I carried a p- pack of cards around and tried to learn how to play poker because of this movie. Like I was that into this movie. Um, I watched it a lot, like way too much. It was on HBO, I think, at the time, and we had it, so it was just in constant repeat. Um, I I, st- I haven't seen this in years. Like I probably haven't seen this since the '90s, but I still know so much about this movie because it just it was on frequent repeat. Um, and I had a friend who was also a big fan of it. And I actually think he's the one that got me into it. I did see this in the theater, um, with a friend as well. I don't think I went with my parents for this one. Um, it's PG, which I didn't realize. That's crazy. Um, yeah, they I were still making those at that time. I know, right? Ninety-four Mel Gibson movie where he's a cowboy playing poker and it's PG. Like, what the heck? Like, that is madness. That's, but that's that's why I haven't seen this. <laughs> that might be why. It doesn't make sense. Um, I, I actually, you know, it's really crazy. You're gonna really probably be, like want to kill me, but. I did not realize that was Jodie Foster in that movie <gasps> until just now. What? Um, what? Because, no. I mean, because she's like, she's really playing the role. Like, she's got the dress, you know, like the old school, like, dresses. and. Um, t- tell me, Maverick. T- t- tell me, Dr. Lecca. Lecca. Have, have you seen? Jodie Foster voice. You, and you've not seen Maverick? Nope. Never watched the TV series. Never watched this. I, I will watch some Westerns. This one just... I, I will tell you what part of it was that I kind of stayed away from it. My mom had an enormous dislike for James Garner in really? the Rockford Files. I don't know what it was. She despised it. I, I've tried watching the Rockford Files even, you know, if they, if you see them pop up on some of those retro TV channels. And so she programmed me somehow as a sleeper agent against James Gardner. Oh, which is crazy. Cause I actually really like him in this movie, by the way. Um, well, he, I mean, he was in the original TV show run, which is why he was in this. Oh, interesting. I did not, mm. I, I know nothing of the TV show. I, I, uh, I knew he was in the notebook, um, as well. And he just passed away not too long ago, 2014. Three years. Um, yeah. Which I, I remember that from, uh, um, Hollywood Babylon. Cause they did a whole, the, hold on a second. You know the Tinseltown Stiffs. What's what's up, Court? I'm just kind of looking through the cast. A Clint Black has a small part in this. Corey Feldman has a small part in this. What? I'm just kind of he- dying. Apparently, he was a bank robber, Corey Feldman, and Clint Black was the sweet faced gambler or something. Well, there's a lot just of uh, big tournament se- like scenes where there's a lot of people Vince playing Gill? poker. Um, so they just brought in a bunch of country stars too. Yeah. You know, it was, I don't know. Yeah. I loved this movie. Um, when I was a kid, uh, it, you know, 94, I'm, I'm 12 years old. Saw it in the theater. 
Um, I, I literally was like, I'd watch the movie and try to like play poker. Like I had no one to play with, mind you. So I was just like dealing cards to nobody. Um, but, and that's why when Texas Hold'em got popular, I was really confused because they were playing five card stud in Maverick, and that's the poker I knew. And everyone was like all about Texas Hold'em. I'm like, what is that? Why are you not? You know, where's the like? I'll keep three or whatever. You know what I mean? Like. I, my my <laughs> world of poker they had were been like, ruined. What are you from the 1800s? <laughs> and I'm like, wah, wah. but um, <laughs> yeah, I I love this movie. I I actually want to rewatch it now, having been thinking about it, because uh, it is it's easily one of my favorite Mel Gibson films. I love the performance. It's super funny. Um, there's some really uh, there's some silly kind of mystery elements to it. I wouldn't say mystery, necessarily crime elements. Where like they man, there's not even a Metacritic score for this movie, but it has a 7.0 user rating um i'm sure uh we could look up the imdb or the rotten tomato score but i feel like it's going to be for critics i could see this being kind of low but i definitely could see fans just getting into it it's a fun movie um action adventure comedy there's some some great stuff in it uh there's a there's a part because any western you're going to have some offensive type native american interactions i actually think they do it with a sense of uh like a very comfortable set of comedy because you have a native american actor graham green who's in a lot of films um he puts on the very traditional indian show like that you would think of from like old westerns like you know they've got the face paint and everything but then you find out that it's like a ruse that he put on to like appease the white man and it's hilarious like it's it's all it's very meta in a way i guess because they're kind of making fun of what you expect in a western and it's not at, at all um and I, I think I appreciated that even then, like that it was like, oh, that's funny that he's he's pretending to be the stereotype to appease the people, like, and it 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 actually plays into the plot, like it's not just some random moment, like it actually makes sense in the the sense of the story. Um, also, Maverick. So is the man keeping him down. Yeah, I I actually the more I'm talking about this movie, the more I remember how much I loved it. I'm I'm totally gonna buy this on on Blu-ray because it if it's on Blu-ray. Um, because I, I just, it's, I think it's an underrated, maybe underseen apparently, cause neither of you have seen it. I have not. And honestly, Jodie Foster should have been the draw for me. And according to Cinesift, Cinesift, remember you mentioned a couple weeks back, yes. it should be available on Blu-ray. It has a little icon by it. Are you looking at, do you have the Rotten Tomato score too? Uh, 67 on the oh, Tomato. that's positive. So I'm okay. guessing that's fresh. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah fresh. that's fresh. That's uh, okay. Better audience score. Better audience yeah. score at 71%. I think, so. it, I think it's that type of movie where your audience is going to generally just find this as kind of a pure joy film. Like, it's, sure, there's some, it, it might be even a little long, if I remember correctly. I always feel like it, it maybe goes longer than it should. Um, yeah, it's two hours and seven minutes. It's a little on the oh, long yeah, for kinda, action comedy. Long. But it, that's, it, that's, that's crossed the two-hour threshold for Corey, so yeah, going to be right out. <laughs> She's, but it's Jodie Foster. Come on, that's seven minutes for Jodie Foster. I know. Is she is she in that a lot? Oh yeah, I'm yeah. really surprised she's seen it. She's, I would say, a co-star um, for sure. Uh, she is a constant element. So is actually the three, the big three: Mel Gibson, um, James Garner, and Jodie Foster have a lot of screen time. Mel Gibson definitely has the most, but I would say those two are close behind him, um, without any hesitation. They are constant. In fact, there's a few scenes where Mel Gibson, I think, is missing, and it, you're just with James Garner and um, Jodie Foster. So totally, oh, man, I'm I'm all about rewatching this right now. I am sold. I, I've sold myself on how much I like this movie. So I, I feel very comfortable with it being at my number three. It probably should be my number two, but we'll will, get to that in a minute. Will it make me scream out an expletive and say Maverick? No. <laughs> yeah, possibly, actually. <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right, let's go to Corey's number three because we are we're running a little long. Uh, what what you got for number three, Corey? Okay, I have 1979's Mad Max, directed by George Miller. Oh, the I original. But the original. Yes. Yeah, I did, guys. Why is everyone so surprised? It was a little more slower than the second one, but um, and I am pretty sure everyone has a pretty good idea of what this film is about. But Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson plays the title character, a police officer trying to keep some semblance of civilization, um, who then avenges his family or tries to. And you do know that the uh, yes. villain Toe Cutter. In this movie, uh, Hughes Keys Byrne or Byrne, Byrne, um, mm-hmm. is the same guy who plays Molten Joe in Fury Road. I Whoa. was, I didn't realize that. I was looking at the cast. Oh, you got quiet. Hugh Keys Byrne. Yep. Okay. Wow, he looks really different. Yep. Yep. Changed the line, of course, okay. has the mask on, and he's way older. I mean, yeah. this is this movie 79, like you just said. So, in this, he yeah. uh, toe cutter is young and fresh and wearing a leather jacket. And, um, I I had not seen, I actually, Fury Road was the first Mad Max movie that I think I saw in its entirety. Um, and then I went back and watched the uh, the original movies in order, um, last year during my challenge. So, um, I did like this movie a lot, though, actually. I was kind of disappointed in myself for not seeing it earlier. Uh, and I almost skipped Fury Road because I hadn't seen the originals. And I was just like, whatever, I don't care about Mad Max. And uh, my friend, well, I, I've taken it back a lot since then. Um, because I, it was one of those things, you know, there's a lot of, like, car action movies that are just kind of there. <laughs> and these managed to not only be exciting and thrilling, but also... I care about the characters in the movie, like every time. Um, even in Thunderdome, I think I care about the characters in the movie. Um, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm. I'm not saying it's a good movie, but I still cared. Um, and there's tons of action films where I don't really care about the characters. Um, and so I think they. I, I regret not having more of a history with these films, but I've definitely rectified it since then. I own all of them now, and on. Um, I think I own all of them on Blu-ray. On top of that, so. But uh, yeah, so good. I I can see that being a number three, because I'm I'm expecting some other ones to be in your top two, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, you have anything to add to Mad Max? I think that's all I have to say about that, that. subject. All right. I, I, oh man, I'll tell you later. Well, let's get to number Just... two for Mike. Then. <laughs> all right. Well, this one I got to be honest is probably got. The worst Ooh. of the ratings overall. 32% rotten, 41% audience score, 5.8 IMDb score. Wow, this is really causing a reaction somewhere over there. Uh, 2.7 on Letterboxd. It sees Mel Gibson teamed up with Goldie Hawn ah. as she is finding out. That her ex, played by Mel Gibson, is an FBI informant and has kind of been relocated. And kind of, it's it's. She, I never understood the title of the uh, of the movie, and I know there's a song called it, but I just never got it. And it's one of those. I, I, I like Goldie Hawn, and when she was paired <laughs> up with um, Kurt Russell for Overboard, 
I love that, that movie. That, yeah, that was one that was on a constant replay at, at youth group. Between that one, Top Gun, Platoon, we had an eclectic group. It was well-rounded. All sorts of, yeah, we watched a little bit of everything. So we got to see Bird on a Wire. This was 90, so this was probably my senior year sometime in those last few months, probably, I would figure, summer. And just, it's, I don't remember David Carradine in it. but Yeah, me either. Definitely. Definitely Goldie Hawn and Mel Gibson since they were the leads. And it's goofy. You get to see the silly side. Not quite as crazed as Riggs in Lethal Weapon. But it was it was a fun movie. Just kind of a chase. And she's totally... Uh, it's been done. I'm going to say Night and Day is probably very similar. Uh, was that Charlize Theron? Well, Tom uh, Cruise no, and... Cameron Diaz. Thank you, Cameron Diaz. I... I don't know how I could have gotten them confused. Yeah, not not even the same close. caliber actress. But... Not even close to Although, one another. Although, it might have been a better movie. Um, I didn't see Night and Day, to be fair. I, I'm I'm harshly judging it, but I feel like most people skipped that movie, and maybe if it were Shirley mm-hmm. Theron, it would have been taken more seriously, because, I mean, Diaz has done a few action films, but, you know, Shirley Theron has proven but, herself as an action yeah, star. Yeah, she's... You can't really compare the two. No. The, the, one, the one is... Uh, sorry. I, I actually used to love... Cameron Diaz at one point, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I think she's hardly thrown as much. Sorry, sorry, Cameron. She doesn't care. She doesn't. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> she unsubscribed. But back to Bird on a Wire. <laughs> she should. She should. And then, you know, her stock uh, would go up with me. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed those two, the comedy action kind of deal. And it's just one of those from youth, my time as a youth. Yeah. I know I saw this um, because my mom was a huge Goldie Hawn fan. Um, like I even we used to watch reruns of Laughing, uh, where she was one of like yes, the Go Go dancers. Yes. Um, yep, that's my first memory of yeah Goldie Hawn the reruns. And so I think anything with her, my mom would drag me to basically. Um, and so this is 1990, so I'm like eight years old if we saw it in the theater. I don't remember if we saw it in the theater if I just watched it at home with her. I definitely don't remember much of it. I just know that I saw it because of Goldie Hawn. Um, I do not remember David Carradine being in it, but that I, I was not really aware of him until the Kung Fu The Legend Continues came mm-hmm. out, um, mm-hmm. and then I was very aware of who he was, but it wasn't until then, so um, I wouldn't have probably recognized him in 1990 or even 91, 92 when it was on home video, but uh, yeah, uh, interesting pick, Mike. I, I totally get why this would be a, like a personal favorite, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the greatest. Uh, I mean, obviously the ratings are a testament to that, but it's just one of those that stuck with me for a while now. Well, all right. Corey, do you have anything to add to um, Bird on a Wire? Mm-mm. I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen it because of Goldie Hawn. Ah, well, um, we got a new kitten, and my wife just put the kitten in, in the room, and it, it, it has been making some noise. So I apologize uh, for some of the, the sounds. and what, Oh, and now she's meowing. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. You're um, not supposed to squeeze the kitten. I'm not squeezing. I don't even actually know where she just went. But, um, yeah, she's she's a little – She's making her presence done. I, I love her. I want to point that out. Her name's Ramona after Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim. And um, – she is uh, she is very hyper though, and she is a climber. She likes to adventure. But um, yep, she's back there. She is. Hey, um, she also likes cables, so I'm very afraid she's gonna bite a cable or something mm. while we're recording. But, um, yeah, you gotta get her out of that habit. Yeah. Um, but my number two is the Road Warrior from 1981. Um, which uh, I'm kind of thinking hey, that's now, a good one. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned it earlier. But um, 
I I'm kind of thinking Maverick probably should have been my number two because I clearly like was way over over the top with that movie, and I've only seen Road Warrior maybe twice. Um, I've seen clips of it beforehand, but uh, as far as the entirety, I think I've only seen it twice. Um, and Mike already gave all the scores. It's fantastic. Um, there's so much great stuff in it. Uh, there is that one tough scene, like the rape sequence uh, that you kind of described. <laughs> seen through the scope mm-hmm. of a sniper rifle if i'm not mistaken um which was I, and i think he might save her even i don't i can't remember for sure if he if he doesn't pull the trigger or not um at this point and that's i i feel like why maverick should be ahead of this my, i saw maverick so many times and i've seen road warrior just a couple but i do think it's a better movie obviously um it, it's an iconic film and it made this character uh i think what we think of when we think of mad max um, definitely sets Mel Gibson's career on a trajectory to be a super action star. And uh, there's so many cool moments in it. Um, and his his companion, the dog, is really great. Um, that was probably one of my favorite parts of it. And it may be a predecessor to John Wick in that way. Um, or at least John Wick 2, where his dog is not dead. <laughs> but uh, post, Post-apocalyptic John Wick. Um, but yeah, uh, the post, I like post-apocalyptic movies. There's just There's a lot to like. There's some really great chase scenes. Um, all practical effects because it's in the early it's 1981 so just a great movie definitely one that um, everyone should check out especially if you did see Fury Road because uh, this sets the the bar and Fury Road does go over it I think I think Fury Road exceeds the greatness that was Road Warrior partly just because of what they're able to do now but um, it's still predominantly practical effects in in Fury Road so just George Miller's uh, crazy and awesome so that's it for me for number two. Uh, Corey, you still haven't got to talk about it, so unless it's your number two, what do you got to say? Uh, no. Um, okay. I, it's not on my list. Um, oh. Oh, okay. I do think that it was – I feel like it was more exciting than the first one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to remember particulars about it, and I really can't. No, it's okay. What's your number two then? Okay, my number two is from 2006. I've only seen this movie one time. It has Mel Gibson behind the camera for Apocalypto. This is one I've not seen of his. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bill's dad um, is kind of famous. We're just turning on movies he's never even really heard about, and then we would all get kind of roped into sitting and watching them. So that's how we came across this one. Um, this film follows uh the main character's jaguar paw and his village is ruined and he's taken for human sacrifice um and he is trying to make it back to his um son and wife and i hadn't ever really watched a movie that i can think of where someone kind of has to go through that where they're kidnapped and then um i feel like are there really a lot of movies about human sacrifice? You know what I mean? Um, I thought it was very interesting. I missed out on Passion of the Christ. And sometimes with Mel Gibson's movies, I don't really know where they're going to go because I feel like he is very religious. Mm-hmm. Or at least his subject matter tends to be. But I enjoyed it. I'm pretty like sure I said, that, I've only I'd seen like it to once. clarify, I think that's Corey's cat mm-hmm. we're hearing. Like, oh, purring? Yeah, that's Max. Yeah, it's not. He's my always thing. he's always on air, guys. <laughs> I was like, "What do you hear?" Max always sits on my lap. I don't usually um, hear him purring though. You no, know, you can just admit that you're purring. 
Yeah, that, crazy so cat bad. lady here. Yeah. Um, one of the tougher things to do is chase scenes, and when you have a non-technologically advanced civilization that this whole film is set in, mm-hmm. that's tough to build that kind of suspense. And it worked, and there were some clever scenes, and there was visceral. I wouldn't say it was completely focused on human sacrifice, but there was no. was there were some very bloody graphic scenes of you know, the practice and kind of the whole game there there's that is played with you know the one tribe taking over the other and then i don't think it's well at this point it's been out long enough at the very ends they ultimately see the even greater threat that's looming right in the distance because there's the landing of the spanish conquistadors and mm-hmm. that's um you know, that adds another uh, long ago, my mom and I wish I could remember some of the film titles. I think it's tougher trying to dig up the Hispanic Spanish language ones. But there were some ones that dealt uh, bl- old enough that there were black and white films that dealt with oh. land civilization and not graphic. But, the, you know, the, that was part of it with the sacrifice and whatnot. And so I wish I could remember what those were, because uh, that definitely kind of triggered my memory when i when i when i started to learn about apocalypto i need to see this movie but um yeah it's uh, i'm glad someone had it on their list because it is highly regarded for the most part 67 i think metacritic and uh yeah it's it's pretty well done yeah i would say i actually i think all of all of his directing (laughs) uh big films have been well received um which there's only three i think uh we have passion of the christ um, Apocalypto and Hacksaw Ridge, where he's not in front of the camera too, um, but I don't want to say the one where he's in both roles because I think there's a good chance it might be on one of your lists. So with that, let's go, Mike. What is your number one Mel Gibson movie? Well, I'll just kind of add the scores because we've already talked about it. I have. 2002 signs really and i'm so excited that's your number one say that is my number one uh, i have to say that you must be in the minority sir because according to rotten tomatoes it's 74 percent fresh the audience score is a little lower 67 percent 6.7 indb score the meta score is a little lower 59 3.2 letterboxed but overall and i you touched on the point and i'm glad you brought it up because it does it's it's more kind of a rebuilding of faith. The aliens are there as a, I won't say as an afterthought, but it does add that extra element to it because otherwise you just have a film of them in the house. And there's that little touch with the water glasses of water going all around and it definitely leads to kind of the thought where everything, there's a reason for everything. There's a purpose for everything. Almost kind of like a, and it gets into some, uh, not that it's trying to get into deep theological kind of discussion, but it, for some people, they might make an argument for predestination where everything's already planned out for us. And then the idea of our free will is not quite there. It's, I don't think it's intended to be quite that heady, um, but there is that. And it it just, I don't know, John and I have watched this a couple of times. There were a couple of jump scares, not. I won't say that it's M. Night's strongest, but it's 
it worked for me and I it kept me in. It's I really did enjoy the village. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've given the, the only the crap the crappening is really the only one that's you know uh, well oh well and let, let, let none of us have mentioned the, the last Airbender which is just oh that's that's I always total, forget it should uh, not exist. We, you know it's bad when both the kids were disappointed at the theatrical yeah. showing of that and well the animated you know, series it, that it's based on is so good it's that... well it already set a, such a high bar how can you even get you know the, the humor and the whole encompassed such a di- large story into to um case in point um dark tower did the same thing yeah trying to condense it all into an hour and a half it's mm-hmm. not gonna happen yeah uh, it's and so at that point they shackled themselves and people people won't pay attention even people that are not you know readers of the series i haven't read uh, the dark tower yet and I've, I've been scared to and now i wish they hadn't gone that route with the film but i digress signs I... worked for me i'm sorry Oh, I was going to say, I also like that, um, and I didn't mention this earlier, that M. Night Shyamalan plays Ray Reddy, who is Mm -hmm. the man who, he was drunk driving, right? Yeah. 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 And he usually does place himself in his movies, but I thought that was a... That was 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 a pretty key role. Yeah, exactly. That was one of the biggest roles I think he's taken um, (laughs) in his movies. All right. Um, I think that leads to my number one, um, 1987's Lethal Weapon. Um, One... Uh, this is the only one of the Lethal Weapon movies written by Shane Black. Um, he is credited for the other three, but he is not. A t- he never wrote character. any of the script. It's because he made the characters and they're continued yeah, character story. Credit. Um, and so uh, this has this sets up one the buddy cop story kind of as a genre, and it's one of my favorite genres. Um, actually, following from this, and um, I love I love this movie. And I also want to point out there's a connection here from past list, and it's Tom Atkins is in Lethal Weapon, <laughs> um, who is also in The Fog and in Halloween 3, which we talked about on our what? last Halloween episode. So um, he has a very small part oh, in Lethal Weapon. Ramona Not my cat. Ramona, Ramona, Ramona wants – I think she hears people walking around out of the room and she wants out. But I can't help you now, Ramona. But um, I've always loved the Lethal Weapon. I Honestly, I, I still like the third and fourth, even though I think they're bad collectively. I liked the character so much that I was okay with being on the journey for them all. And so um, I, I, I'm good with three and four. Um, but one, well, I think two might be the commercial better film. And it's definitely a little more lighthearted than the, the first film. The first film has some really dark moments, um, including Mel Gibson being tortured. Um, and then you have crazy Gary Busey in, in the film. Um, but I, I just I love uh, the 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 bonding that you see between uh, Riggs and Murtaugh throughout the film. Um, you know, the story is really compelling. It's definitely more action crime than it is comedy, but there's definitely some air of comedy within it. Uh, there's some good uh, detective work, and I, I I am a huge fan of Shane Black. I love the nice guys from last year. I like Iron Man three, oh, yeah. even though not everybody does. I like what he did with Iron Man three. Um, and then this movie, uh, I just think it is a, a, such a iconic um, film now. As far as like the the ones that you can look at and point to Lethal Weapon as the inspiration, Bad Boys being a huge one. Even Hot Fuzz, I think, uh, pulls some of its inspiration from um, Lethal Weapon. You know, so um, hmm. 
it's such a it's such an important film to Mel, to me with Mel Gibson. I definitely associate, and I'm pretty sure, uh, like you, Mike. I think I saw the second one before I saw this one, um, and I think they brought Joe Pesci in to lighten the tone a little bit um, because Riggs is this like ex you know Marine specialist um, or military specialist. I don't remember if it was Army something, um, but uh, his backstory is super dark and he's suicidal throughout the film. So there's a lot of dark elements in the first movie that don't completely go away in the subsequent films, but definitely is he's starting to uh, enjoy life again. And by the third movie, he falls in love with Rene Russo's character. And there's even like this really weird, like scar comparison scene that leads to sex, mm-hmm. you know, like homage to jaws that, if, mm-hmm. if, that could have ended way differently if there had been a female on the boat. But, um, I, I'm, uh, but the first one just is such an iconic film for me that I, I and any it's it's a film that if I start watching it I usually have to finish. I just I get wrapped into it. So it's why it's my number one. And crickets. Because <laughs> I I don't know that I've watched it all the way through. The Shane Black connection I think now I'll appreciate more. And having seen Lethal Weapon two and gravitated to that first I Yes, I need to see the history of the Lethal Weapon franchise. Actually, too, I'd like to point out, um, I often attribute um, Bruce Willis as my favorite 80s action star, but I, I kind of think it might be Mel Gibson. Um, I love Die Hard. I think I like Die Hard more than Lethal Weapon, but I think I've seen Lethal Weapon more than I've seen Die Hard. Um, again, uh-huh. that was a HBO thing. It was on HBO a lot. Uh, the whole, all of them. I think when Lethal Weapon 3 came out, they were just constantly repeating Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 on HBO. And so I watch. I'd watch both of them, and um, I I love both of them to be honest. Like, and again, I saw three in the theater, and I saw four in the theater. Um, but I I my and my aunt was a huge Mel Gibson fan. Like, was in like love with Mel Gibson. So, um, I think that helped like kind of bring him into my I, like my zeitgeist a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I was very aware of who he was as a kid because of my aunt. And then Lethal Weapon was on HBO, and I was like, well, she likes him. I'll watch it, and I thought they were great um you know they were exciting they were action-packed um and uh, i found the the characters to be very human and dynamic and i really like that about them um also i like um like the police force in lethal weapon they're good cops like i don't i don't remember i don't think they ever really get into like dirty cops in the first two movies I'm trying to remember for sure, but I feel like that's right. I don't. I know there's like the legal system's pulled in question in the second movie because of diplomatic immunity and this horrible person's diplomatic uh, immune immunity. from the law because of that. But um, I don't think they get into. Uh, I don't think it's ever like the police being like dirty cops or whatever. Like in a lot of other cop movies where that's the case. Like I feel like the police are actually doing the right thing, and I like that because it is sometimes police are painted as like. As the bad guy. Yeah, so... All right, um, that's my number one. Corey, what is your number one Mel Gibson film? Earlier, I lied. Oh. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I actually watched this movie today. Oh, okay. Uh, I wanted to see it before, but I missed it, and I had heard very good things about it. Um, It's 2016's Hacksaw Ridge. Oh! And it's over two hours. 
mic. <laughs> Drop the microphone. Much, how much over to 19 hours. minutes? Like 19 minutes. Yeah, I feel like it's it's like you know it's like 33 percent of a whole nother hour. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, and we talked about this with Dunkirk. Um, I feel like we see it a lot with war films, but um, I think that's because some things are so glorified and we learn about them in history books and all you know um i like that this was a story i was unaware of prior to watching it yes and i really liked desmond doss a lot uh what i feel like he would have been a cool person to you know know um and i liked andrew garfield in this role a lot i haven't seen him in a lot of films because i missed out on those spider-man movies on purpose but um i liked him a lot in this uh role i liked him in silence too so i think i will be on the lookout for more of him and you've seen the social network uh, right oh shoot that's right okay yeah i did i saw that in a second round theater um i i liked that this was gory and i liked that it was ugly um i think that we need those reminders yeah i, uh, I didn't say that was a no thing. okay uh, no i know you didn't right. um and then I just think I like how he was redeemed by the end and everyone was trying to sell him short, but he didn't give up and he didn't give in and he did what he thought was right. Yeah, no, definitely. He, he never uh, succumbs to the, uh, not just like, you don't want to say peer pressure, although that's definitely there, which is something you see in full metal jacket too. Like um, yeah. when the weak link is like bullied by everybody else. Um, Beat the crap out of him in this yeah. movie. Um, but uh, it's it's beyond peer pressure because it's coming from above. He's put on trial, um, and yet insists that his, he feels obligated to be a part of the war. Um, but he wants to help his fellow soldiers, not take the lives of the the enemies. Like he's not looking to kill; he's looking to save, which I found to be so honorable and. Um, I mean, when, and that's the thing when they were like, oh, you know, you're a coward. I'm like, he's running into a battlefield empty handed. With no protection. How how can you look at that and say you're a coward? You're insane? Sure. Sure. When, I could see like that. that. The whole part of that military trial and when his dad goes to get the letter for him. And I just want to say that I was crying at the beginning of the film, guys. I was just like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It was just, oh, devastating. Did you, did you get to see the, um, the like the interviews at the end too like with the real people yes okay yeah cause that, mm-hmm. that part broke me a couple of times i was just like wow yeah all right well that's, i'm glad that you you that was a good sneak and Total i did not story. see that coming yeah um yay nice job uh and it's on it's on hbo it's still streaming ah. like okay, uh, i was saying earlier you got two highly recommended uh because I, I mean it's number four on my list um but to be fair I think the four movies on my 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 four five my four three two one are all critically acclaimed, and I think are are amazing films like all of them. I think I could rearrange that order, and I'm very content. And I know Signs is I'm the hater of Signs. I I, I could get into more why, but I won't. Um, but it, it is a film that did not work for me, and I did find it very cheesy. And it to be fair, I don't know if I've seen it since two thousand two. I think I was a one and done with that movie. Maybe maybe two and done. Um, it's definitely not a film that I've ever, I've looked back on fondly and maybe if I watched it now, I'd have a different take on it, but I I don't know. Um, I feel like I remember it very vividly like that. I don't think it would have a different feel for me, but 
who knows um let's get to honorable mentions and we'll wrap up mike what is uh what do you got all right so i figured the one you were thinking was gonna be on my list was gallipoli it was it was i was thinking that okay, would be okay yeah it's, that's that's a classic one i figured i mentioned it before so i would leave it off this one and i should point Lethal out Weapon. i saw all five of mike's movies instead of just four Whoa! It's almost like and and I wonder though. I wonder if my crunch time because and I'll save my Mel Mel Gibson. I'll save my Michael Douglas list for another time. Yeah. I wonder because I literally put my list together in fifteen minutes. Yep. So I mean, I guess in a way, I feel like a failure, but you get the win. You're the big winner. Yeah. I don't know what you won, but you won something. Um, Lethal Weapon Two: The Man Without a Face. Chicken Run and The Passion of the Christ. See, I didn't see two of those movies. List. I didn't see Chicken Run or um, uh, The Man Without a Face. I've not seen. What? Oh, I should have put it on my list. Yep, but I've you would have still gotten it anyway. Yeah, I was close. Um, um, my, I have a uh, conspiracy theory, which I mentioned. Um, Braveheart, which is the one that he directed and starred in, which um, I believe won several awards. I have not seen it since it, like the year it came out on home video um i i remember really liking it and actually i wasn't expecting to like it when i watched it but i was because oh, it's three hours long that's why i've not rewatched it but um it, it's uh it's really well done um i remember the th- the scene i remember most was there's a guy, a guy sleeping and he slams a mace on his head you know like the chain mm-hmm. metal spike ball and i remember that being just like super brutal and um I've never forgotten that particular scene, but, um, and then I have, uh, lethal weapon two through four, because again, I like the whole franchise. I am a fan of the characters and I can't help, but like the movies, despite them being not well regarded by most people, um, at least the later two. Um, but then I watched the movie yesterday. I did some homework too. Like Corey, there's a film that's been on my periphery for a while that I've been wanting to watch. And I couldn't completely remember why until I was watching it. But I, there were two things that stood out. I knew it was a Mel Gibson movie, and I knew Jodie Foster directed it. And that was The Beaver from 2011, mm-hmm. um, which uh... um, I knew there was other things. And so I start watching it. And just because of those two things, it was on. it's on Netflix, and I'm watching it. And then I find out Anton Yelchin plays Mel Gibson's son in the movie. So, Hold on, what? Yeah, exactly. Whoa. So it was one on my my checklist for him that I'd missed because I I'm trying to get through his whole filmography, and so I'm like, oh great, Anton Yelchin's in this. That's even better. And then he's at high school, and a cheerleader walks by. I'm like, is that freaking Jennifer Lawrence? And sure enough, it's Jennifer Lawrence. And this is from 2011. Um, he Anton Yelchin is fantastic in it. Mel Gibson is really interesting. It's a dark comedy. Um, uh, it, although it says drama, there is definitely some dark comedy in the movie. Because uh, the reason why it's called The Beaver is Mel Gibson is suicidal at the beginning of the movie, finds a puppet that is a beaver, and um, after attempting to kill himself and failing, the puppet starts talking. But there's no question that Mel Gibson is the one talking. Like, you can see his voice, like, see his mouth moving for most of it. Like, he's maybe trying a little to be a ventriloquist, but not real hard. And that kind of is the, from that point, he is the beaver talking for Mel Gibson um and like he starts being a different person and then it gets it gets crazy it's a, it's an interesting movie um for sure uh, i don't know exactly where it falls but i definitely wanted to talk about it it almost bumped payback off though because of the relevance is like again i haven't seen payback since 1999 where i saw the beaver last night so i almost put it on number five but 
Um, it did have Anton Yelchin, and I definitely think it's worth checking out, especially my big Jodie Foster fan. Jodie Foster also stars in the movie as his wife. Oh. So she she's directing and uh, co-stars. So um, definitely, I think, worth checking out. And I saw her more recent film, Mo- uh, Money Monster, and I think she's I think The Beaver is a better example of her directing capabilities than Money Monster. So wow. Money Monster was not good. Um, oh, that was the one with the reporters, right? Uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, I don't remember his name. It was very disappointing. Uh, big letdown of a film. I, it looked more exciting than it actually was. Although, to be fair, Green Room has kind of wrecked thrillers for me. Um, because if I if it doesn't get me as tense as I was during Green Room, I'm usually disappointed uh, by a thriller. So, um, unfair that was bar. one. I, I was seeing expletives in. Yeah. Um, all right, I was that lady at your movie. Um, <laughs> I don't have any. What if you were? If you were, that would be weird. I was probably like ten. I don't you really still know. Could have been. I was. I could have been at Maverick. Like Maverick, no. <laughs> no. Wait, what um, are I... you telling him not to do? Um, there's a few things, man. I'm telling you, you got to watch it. He makes some dumb choices. Mm. I don't have any guys. That's disappointing. No honorable. It mentions. is disappointing. I could put like the Road Warrior. Yeah, do that. But I didn't have it. Okay, road, there we go. She has the Road Warrior. All right. Well, folks, um, whether you love them or hate them, that's our top five Mel Gibson movies. Um, I will be seeing Daddy's Home Two next weekend because uh, Regal Cinemas has made me. In order to get Mother uh, Downsizing and Suburbicon free digital, I have to see Daddy's Home Two. Although I'm not like upset about it as much as I am like some of the other movies I had to go see in order to get the digital copies. Um, in fact, the Lionsgate ones that I just did, I'm very regretful because I don't even know if I want any of them except for maybe Hitman's oh. Bodyguard. But I did see all of the movies, and um, but this one, uh, it should be entertaining enough um, that I I shouldn't I shouldn't regret it as much as I did. Although Suburbicon was severely disappointing, so. Um. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, definitely not. Did not work for me, and it's not doing well. I think it has thirty-seven Metacritic. Um. So Ooh. not doing well by most critic standards, but for me, it, it definitely didn't work. Which I'm a huge Cohen fan, so that just speaks volumes. But um, that's it for our, this episode. We'll be back next week. Um, for Movie Club, Corey and I just did uh, Brick from R- Ryan Johnson from 2005. And this coming week, we're watching a movie that I don't remember again. Corey, what is it called? Violet and Daisy. Violet and Daisy, um, which uh, stars... Saoirse Ronan. That's the name that I cannot pronounce to save my life. She's from Brooklyn and the new Greta Gerwig movie, and Lady Alexis Bird. Um, but we'll be reviewing that this week, so check that out. Uh, you can email us, contact at com your list of Mel Gibson movies or your thoughts about Mel Gibson or any of our past lists. Um, and or follow us on Twitter or Instagram. You can find me at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And Mikey? At Server Monkey. And that's and it. I, and I have my Michael Douglas list, too. And he has a Michael Douglas list that maybe he can share privately if you... Uh, if you tweeted him, no, no, no. Oh no, he's no. gonna say no, no. We gotta have to wait for a new Michael Douglas movie or something, or a retrospective yeah. or something. Next, whenever Ant Man and the Wasp comes ah, out, ah, there you go. List. That's it. Oh, plan ahead, Michael Douglas. Oh wait, I forgot about he's an Ant Man. I've seen Ant Man. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for this week. We'll be back. Thank you for listening. Peace. <laughs>